You are listening to the Canadian Streetlight Podcast. You can visit us online at www.canadianstreetlight.ca. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. I am excited this week to bring you a dear friend of mine and a special guest who has graciously allowed us to use his music. I trust that through his testimony and hearing his story of how God's grace has brought him from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light, that you will not only be encouraged to seek God, but also to make him known to a lost and dying world. As a way of starting out this episode, I thought it would be appropriate to play one of Kevin's original songs, I Wasn't Looking for a Savior. Streetlight Podcast, and today we have a special guest, one of my dear friends and mentors in the faith, um, Kevin Malcolm from British Columbia, and um, he's lived in a few different places in British Columbia, and I'll uh, 
actually just go ahead and and uh, Kevin, you can introduce yourself and and maybe just kind of as much as you want to go into detail on on a bit of your story of how you uh, came to know the Lord and and how He's used your passion for music and truth um, in your life, and I know mine and many others. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, you know, as you said, my name is Kevin Malcolm. I, yeah. um, I, uh, you know, I've uh, lived mostly in my my Christian life has been in BC, and um, uh, my childhood was back and forth from Ontario to British Columbia. My oh, dad's right. family was back east, and my mom's family was in British Columbia, actually in Victoria, in Vancouver Island. And so as a child, we went back and forth several times. So uh, it had a, a, a quite an impact on uh, relationships, I think, uh, understanding relationships, being able to maintain relationships, uh, because you don't really get to set down very long routes in any place for any given time. And it's, uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, that, that was kind of tough on us as kids, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm the exact opposite now at... Uh, at coming up, I'll be 60 this year. I'm, I'm kind of a. I like to stick at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my children have uh, only moved uh, from Cortez Island to to the north here, uh, just in in one move, and that was uh, quite a trial for some of them. We um, we were in the process of clearing land and building here, and so that uh, that yeah. took quite a lot of. Uh, uh, quite a lot of time myself to uh, to uh, get that all established, and but uh, my children are pretty much stable in uh, in where we live and and how we live, and uh, uh, it's it's been good. It's it's been really good. I I really do love it. I mean, but um, of course, uh, you know, I couldn't do any of this stuff without my wife. I mean, she is absolutely. Uh, Absolutely, my helpmate. I mean, you know, I, I really, you know, we've got a situation here um, in in our in our uh, sort of extended uh, fellowship where we have uh, one of our dear sisters is uh, diagnosed with a rare cancer, and and uh, they're very they're, our, our history in, in the faith goes back years onto Cortez Island and. Um, uh, uh, we're just actually waiting this week. We she will be in for another diagnosis this week, and we're just uh, we're just praying. We are really praying for a miracle for her because this seems to be um, incurable. And mm. uh, herself, she's uh, she seems to be doing quite well in it. And uh, uh, I, I'm concerned. Concerned for my brother, um, you know, uh, uh, because uh, both him and I have a similar background. And uh, before we came to the faith, uh, she was raised in the faith. Uh, he was definitely not, nor was I. But uh, the Lord is faithful, and uh, and whatever whatever comes out of this, uh, He is sovereign over all things that we know for sure. And uh, whatever comes out of it uh, uh, will be His uh, ultimate plan, and yeah. uh, and for His glory number one mm-hmm. and for our transformation you know yeah. so so we should have to see how that all goes yeah 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 ken pastor ken was um was he instrumental in leading you to the lord or just one of your early pastors when you came no to he faith? yeah he was just one of uh one of the uh the uh 
the men that God put in the path. So yeah. <laughs> it turns out it turns out that uh, that our families, if you go back far enough, our families are related, which we, we oh, just wow. shake our shake our heads at, and <laughs> uh, you know. But uh, um, yeah, no, that's a, that was quite a quite a story. That was uh, running into Pastor Ken Day was quite a story. Um, uh, I had just come to the faith in about 84, 83, 84, sometime, somewhere around in there. And I had a senior position in the, in the company I was with. I uh, was just as close to senior driver. And, and uh, I just, uh, I had come through a terrible uh, divorce. All divorce is terrible, but um, mm-hmm. I'd come through a divorce. And uh, that was before I was a believer. And uh, uh, my life was absolutely turned upside down i lost my house my all my possessions not to mention my wife and, and my mm. my children and uh then through the process of uh of uh, going through all these trials of um pain and suffering and alcohol and drugs and whatever else it took to get me through to the next day so i could get behind the wheel again which in a lot of cases i shouldn't have been mm. um i uh ran into some uh, ladies and uh, they were uh, they were different and uh, I wasn't quite exactly sure what was different about them but they were interesting and <laughs> I was at a point in my life where I I needed uh, I needed to talk to somebody and they were they were willing to listen and they kind of they kind of took me in under the wing sort of thing and and uh, they I started spending time with them and and it didn't take very long but they were saying, you know, maybe you shouldn't be going to the bar. Maybe you should be coming out and, you know, I could introduce you to some people. And, and I go, well, you know, what's this all about? And, and they, and then other people were saying, hey, you want to be careful of those two. You know, they're, they're those Christians, you know. And and I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not really concerned about that. You know, no fears there, you know. And uh, I just want to get to know them. They're they're kind of neat. And, and it went on and on. And uh, eventually... Uh, the uh, prophecies of my my non-believing friends uh, came true, <laughs> and, uh, and they uh, they uh, I found myself uh, asking uh, questions about their God and and uh, what was it, what it was about them that was so different. And mm-hmm. I, when they gave me all the whole story, I immediately rejected it and went back to the lifestyle that I was that I was uh, living. And then I had a I had a pretty much a, a breakdown um, when my ex-wife took my sons out of the province and moved in with a man in Saskatchewan uh, I was at probably the lowest point and uh, I was just totally uh, wasted all the time but you know <clears throat> I was raised on TV and uh uh, I always had a TV on in my house, no matter what. I don't anymore uh, because mm-hmm. we uh, we just don't have that type of a system anymore. Mm-hmm. But I was watching one night uh, through intoxicated eyes, and all I was watching um, the Ten Commandments, and um, I I watched it all the way through, and there was something you know. Just, you know, nowadays I'd look at it and I go, "Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, scriptural mistakes in the Ten Commandments." But <laughs> what you know, whatever you know, whatever the Lord uses at the time is what, yeah. what He uses. There's and, still uh, truth in it. Yeah, absolutely. There's some. There is some. There's some truth in it all, and and it's like, 
you know, a lot of times the word is kind of like it's woven through like a thread, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, it is the whole tapestry thing. You can't really get the, the picture from one thread. And, mm-hmm. you know, so anyway, I, um, I ended up, uh, having a kind of a collapse down and, uh, I just remember, I remember crying out that, uh, you know, whatever was out there was going to show me true love. Uh, show yourself to me and I'll follow you. And, uh, you know, I, I needed something at the time and, uh, I was, I knew I was heading for some real, real serious trouble. And my, mm. my brother, my, 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 my blood brother, uh, my brother Grant, he, uh, his wife had just died and she died at 21 years old of cancer of the pancreas and left him with a child. And, and, uh, so the both of us together, uh, we, we ended up, uh, in bad, bad trouble. And, uh, you know, we were questioning all the things that we had done in our, in our life and, uh, you know, asking, you know, why, why we were being punished so much and stuff and made us realize or made me realize, of course, he didn't want to have anything to do with it, but it made me realize that we were assuming that there was a God. And, uh, mm. you know, we always had this, this awareness of, something that was controlling our lives and, and, um, uh, turned out to be God himself. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, well, well, well imagine that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> like, sounds like Roman's one. <laughs> yeah, we're just like, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're, of course, we're, of course, from our upbringing, we're wondering why we're being punished so much, but, uh, mm. uh, which was pretty much the protocol of our house. But, uh, anyway, um, uh, uh, it took a while, you know, it took a while. Uh, there was always, always something going on. And I, I never forgot what I said. And all of a sudden, again, all these people started coming around in my life with this Bible and, uh, and all this sort of talk of Jesus and stuff. And at first I was still, you know, kind of, kind of like Pharaoh, you know, kind of stand up and harden up and yeah. I'm not really interested in that, you know, but then I don't know what it was. It was, uh, it was a, a. I was living with another brother at the time, my 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 other my younger brother, and um, sharing a, a, his uh, his home with him. And I, I remember I had a, a, I don't know a dream or what it was. I'm not sure, but I I just I had a. I woke up in the morning and I, I went to him. I said, you know what do you, what do you what do you make of this? I, I, I said I kept thinking this thing last night. Revelation, revelation. I said, you know, and and I said, what, what do you make of that? What do you, what what is that? He says. He said, well, it's a revealing. I mean, he's, he's the scientific type A, and he's got this. Mm. He's got all these computer analysis for everything. And I'm going, yeah, I, I understand it's a revealing. I'm just saying, what, what do you, why do you think I'm hearing that? And he said, well, he says it's also a, a book in the Bible. Mm. And I kind of, oh, well, I remember going through all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know something? Maybe I should actually read that. And I said, <laughs> you, have you got a, you got a Bible? And he said, well, I, he said, I got one here somewhere. And he says, it's, uh, oh, yeah, he said, here, yeah. He said, he finds it, and he says, that's a Jehovah's Witness Bible. Well, of course, I didn't know the difference between a whole Jehovah's Witness and a, and a Satanist, pretty much, but uh, it's <laughs> pretty close, I guess. But anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, uh, I kind of, uh, I, I, I read it, and I didn't read it for capital Jesus or small son or whatever. You know, I just read it as it was, and, and um, I felt... Uh, I got through it, and uh, I, I just—it just sort of spoke to me that this is—I uh, see this happening. I see this as true, mm-hmm. and I—I uh, I, I must admit, at the time, 
I still was in a place where I, I realized that this, this was true and this was going to happen, but I was still arrogant enough to think that I somehow needed to stop it from happening. Hmm. And so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't totally happy with the, the Bible that he had. And so I, I got another Bible and, uh, so it was, uh, I think it was King James or something like that. But, um, and so I started going through that and, uh, I thought, well, you know, if this is what I see is going on, I think it's true. And I should, I should go back and see how we got here. You know, it was kind of funny because I, I had some church upbringing as a child, but not, you know, nothing, nothing that where we were studying scripture or anything like that. But for some reason, I I just I thought the Old Testament had something to do with Jews, and the New Testament had something to do with Christians. And so I started in Matthew, and mm-hmm. I started reading through, and I got into Acts, and I realized that I needed to repent. Hmm. And that was where I called up the uh, one of the elders in the of the, uh, the the company that I worked for. I forgot to mention was a Christian company. And, oh. um, uh, but, uh, but only the immediate family and, and a few of the people in there were, were Christians. Um, and the rest of the, all of us employees were as, as worldly as you could get. Hmm. And, um, uh, so I called up uh, the only guy that I knew who had a church and, uh, he happened, he was one of the elders and, uh, and, my, and my top boss. And, uh, I started talking to him and he was, he was shocked and, <laughs> and he says, well, he says, well, well what were you been doing? I said, well, I've, I've been reading through the Bible. And I, I said, I, I think I, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I need to repent and be baptized. <laughs> and he said, well, we, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and so I went in and uh, was baptized by these people, and uh, um, I carried on from there. And mm. after about six years of fellowshipping with them, I wanted to go out into the world and see what the Lord had for me uh, in uh, in the way of uh, serving Him, uh, giving up everything I had and and uh, serving Him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, in in the process of all those years of coming to the Lord, I went through a uh, time of um, having custody of both of my sons, and then losing one through a, a situation that. As basically, his mom just took off with him, and and um, and I uh, was left with the one. And then, over the years of Cortez Island stuff, after I moved away from Victoria, uh, my my uh, younger son at that time would come and go in our lives, and uh, that was very very tearing, and uh, hard on him, and and hard on us, and uh you know it's it's been pain it's been pain 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 and their lives even even today their lives they're both married uh they have no children but they're both married and uh they're both uh, successful in their businesses and and uh their lives are are uh, in turmoil and uh you know they're they're a constant every day almost every prayer they they are in it mm-hmm. and uh you know, they have heard the truth, and what the Lord does with that is His business. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, we just have to be consistent and always, you know, coming up with the, uh, the appropriate scriptural answers for their problems. And, yeah. And, uh, and uh, the consistency in our lives is is huge in witnessing. Right. Yeah. But anyways, that's all. Basically, that's what where we are now. That 
church uh, disintegrated on Cortez Island through the event of that's where I met Ken. I'm sorry, that's where I met Ken. Yeah, Davis when I when I left and went to Cortez Island. Uh, but uh, on Cortez Island, uh, I I was uh, living at my my dad's house. He lived there, and um, actually, my son and I uh, were living in this little shed, shack shed sort of thing with a heater in it. And uh, there was a fellow that lived next door. It's, it's a very uh, uh, cross cultural uh, island. There's much there. There's uh, the uh, Hollyhock Farms and New Age International Church, uh, huge. And then there's uh, so that was a very big influence on the island. Um, mm-hmm. uh, everything from uh, good old boys to hippies, extreme, and uh, it was it was quite a mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fellow that lived next door to my dad, uh, I had met him over the years of traveling back and forth to visit with my dad, and uh, he was a concern of mine after I became a Christian as a witness, uh, potential. And I uh, I um, uh, when I moved there. I asked my dad how the neighbor was doing, and he lived in a boat that was on blocks in his in his yard, a big 36-foot uh, fishing <laughs> boat. And uh, he was building a house, and, you know, you live in what you can live in while you're doing what you're doing, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, it was that type of people and that type of lifestyle, and nobody thought anything of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, uh, I, uh, I went to... Uh, Dad said, oh, I, I think he's uh, he's over there. You go talk to him. I said, yeah, sure. So I went over and banged on his boat. No answer. And all right, it took me a while. I kept going over and banging on his boat and no answer. And Dad says, no, his truck's there. He's there. Uh, so I'm a little concerned. And uh, Dad said, all right, let's go over and take a look. And started walking around. And Dad says, uh, come on up inside. Just uh, go on up and bang on the, on the door. And uh, so I did. And I... Uh, I uh, walked across the across the floor, walked up to the to the to the door to go down the galley, and I opened it up, and I stepped inside, and immediately was faced with the murder scene. And uh, uh, there was um, a couple of twelve gauge shotgun shells on the floor, and uh, and uh, blood all over the place. A briefcase that was spilled, and and I looked at. Uh, the uh, the blood on the floor and I said to Dad I said don't come in here you know there's uh, there's there's trouble here and uh, and I said there's been a body dragged out of here he's not in here but there's there's way too much blood for there to be a living person you know and mm. uh, and so we went back out and uh, not realizing that he had been thrown down into the hold of his boat and and the uh, deck was all cleaned up except for one footprint in blood. That was under the gunnel. It had about an 18-inch gunnel on around the boat that you could uh, set your foot in and, and and step out as you were wiping. You would be the, that footprint. Last footprint would be uh, a, not visible to you because of the gunnel. Mm. It just happened to match perfectly my gumboot, mm. and uh, uh, it was not my footprint. Uh, hmm. but it was it was uh, the identical boot. Now, you have to understand that everybody on Cortez Island bought their boots from Squirrel Cove store, and they only <laughs> carried they only carried one brand. So, yeah. you know, so if you if you happen to be the same size foot, uh, you know, you're a suspect. Well, right. I was a suspect in a murder trial, and wow. uh, I was getting pretty scared. This is my introduction to uh, what does the Lord want me to do in my life? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, uh, 
so I, I had no church. I had no, no, the only connection I had with the church was the people back in Victoria who I was corresponding with. And uh, I had not enough money for long distance phone calls. So it was by letter and uh, it was very slow and explained the situation that I was in. And, <clears throat> and they, they, they prayed and, uh, you know, but that was, that was about as far as it could go with that. And I, I, uh, I had to, uh, um, I had to uh, start uh, praying very, very heavily myself. And I remembered, um, I, see, I was, I was not on the island when the neighbor was, was murdered. Uh, but the only way I could prove that was because uh, the hotel room that my son and I stayed in the night before we came on the island, um, uh, we got the guy up at about 1.30 in the morning uh, to take the room, I didn't realize that the ferries didn't run all night, and uh, so we ended up having to take a room. And mm-hmm. so, because of that, he remembered me, wow. and he remembered the date, and he had uh, he got the records all back from uh, I think it was uh, Montana. I think it was the head uh, hotel six or whatever it was. Uh, but uh, uh, so um, when the results came, or when the uh, records came back. Um, uh, I said no. Now you, you, you got to give me a copy of these records because I, I'm 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 being held for uh, uh, suspicion of murder, and I, I need I need to have some proof that I was not in this place at that time. And 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 actually, it was the proof that I needed. It was and it was. If not for that, I I don't know what would have happened. Well, I, well, I I do know the Lord is still sovereign. Uh, right. Something, yeah. Something else would have happened. But at that point <laughs> in my life, <laughs> I was been like. Enough, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was just a little bit, a uh, little bit more than than I was uh, uh, anticipating having to uh, face. <laughs> so I found myself out. How did I meet Ken Day? I found myself out one day, one Sunday, realizing that we needed to make connection on this island with some some sort of Christian body. We needed to find the church. And I, I, I found, I started asking people in the community, are there any churches on the island? Oh, yes, there's a church here, there's a church there, there's a church, you know. So I thought, oh, okay. So I started driving around. Well, this one's all locked up. Locked up on a Sunday? Hmm. Huh. I went up to another one, and uh, it was supposed to be the big church that things happened in. And it's all locked up. And I'm thinking, like, oh, there's no church here. These people don't know what I mean by church. And so I was driving through uh, a Manson's community and I came through the, through the center of the community and I, for some reason, looked into my, my driver's mirror and it, there was a white cross in my mirror and I stopped, I immediately stopped and I backed up and, and sure enough, there was a little church in the bush and, uh, <laughs> and I, uh, I went in and, and uh, uh, took my son and we went in and that's where Pastor Ken Day was preaching, Baptist preacher. And, uh, um, uh, you know, there was a small gathering there of about maybe five families. And, uh, and that was the church. Days were born again, born again believers and hmm. sat down. I, he asked me what was up and I, I told him where I came from and, and I told him the situation that I was in, and of course he was very suspicious, which I, I really don't don't blame him. Um, uh, you know, uh, so he uh, he uh, took he also took me under his wing and and uh, watched me for a while, and I uh, gave him the uh, uh, 
verbal letters of recommendation from Victoria, and, and he checked it all out, and, and he welcomed me into the fellowship. Hmm. And so that was uh, that was the beginning of stability, the beginning of some direction, the beginning of uh, of uh, of uh, my my uh, association with Ken and Abby Day and, yeah. and the uh, their ministry. At the same time, I was only going to be there until the spring, and then I was going to go back east to our property back east, our family land, and I was going to start up the sugar maple business again with my with my uh, son. And um, uh, my dad told me, he said, uh, you know, he says, he says, I wouldn't even bother. You know, I said, well, why is that? He says, well, the acid rain is so bad uh, that the uh, the sugar maples are all dying from the tops down. And he said, uh, he said, son, he said, uh, he said, I wouldn't waste my time on it. And uh, so I said, oh, well, I thought I was going back east. Well, then I found out that I wasn't actually allowed to leave the province because I had custody of one of my sons, and that would be um, what they called uh, 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 unreasonable, or not unreasonable, but um, uh, inadequate uh, access uh, for for, for the other parent. Which I immediately pointed out that she lives in Saskatchewan, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, that uh, somehow that that had managed to slip through the uh, uh, inadequate access thing. But uh, so Cortez Island is where I stayed and uh, set down some roots, bought land, built a cabin, and uh, over the years uh, things happened there. And uh, Ken and Abby moved to Vanderhoof. And me being a truck driver, I we rented a large truck and I moved them up here and then went back down to face uh, face what was left of the church, which hmm. it pretty much dissolved, uh, except for a handful of uh, a small handful of uh, believers, and uh, and that was where um, right at the very um, let's see. Uh, point in my Christian life where I was I was at a point where I realized I needed to do something. Uh, the influences on the island were not good for my son. I was homeschooling him. He decided he wanted to go to school, the public school, which was the beginning of some uh, introductions to things that I wished had never happened for him. And uh, and uh, they went on like that. And so uh, at right at that time, uh, Rachel came into my life. And uh, I had been praying for for uh, the Lord to to bring me a, a wife and uh, and uh, someone to share my life with. And lo and behold, she walked up my driveway and <laughs> and <laughs> it was like, uh, "Are you for Thank real?" You, Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh boy, it was an awful lot of that for sure. It was it was kind of a scary scary start, but still. Um, uh, you know, the Lord, uh, the Lord knows what He's doing. Yes, and, he uh, does, yeah, I always joke that the Lord had to bring my wife uh, from Mississippi for me, and <laughs> you just see, like you say, just His His hand of providence. Looking back, it's like, wow, yeah, only He could uh, arrange these things in that way. So, yeah. Well, you know, Aaron, <clears throat> I the way things were going on Cortez Island. Especially with my only my only connection with music was the the uh, the world was the uh, the heavy drug people all this sort of stuff I I I just don't if it had not been for 
the Lord bringing Rachel into my life, I really can't honestly say where I would be today or what I would be doing. I mm-hmm. mean, I, it, you know, it was just that, that yeah. scary, that dark. Yeah. And uh, it's a, it's an, ex, an extreme, you ask any Christian that has been there, lived there and, and worked among the people, it's an extremely oppressive mm. island. When mm. you get off of that island, it's like this, this unbelievable weight has been lifted off of you. And when you come back to coming close to it again, you got one ferry, two ferries to go across and you're, you're, you're getting to the, you know, you come across the mainland and you can start to feel the oppression and, you know, you come back and you get to Camel River and it's like, it's getting a little heavier and, you know, mm. you get across on the first island. It's like, Oh, here we go again. And, you know, are we ever going to get off this island? And we started realizing, like, uh, after Rachel and I had gone, you know, we were married and we went away for a bit and came back. We started realizing that we were, we were dreading coming back because mm. we had been to a place where there was not this oppression. And, uh, right. and when we, when we got back to it, we could feel it coming down on us. And it's like, mm. we started talking, started saying things like, we should move. <laughs> yeah, we do. We, we, we should move. You know, it's like uh, mm. there's there's churches out there, and there's like there's there's believers out there, and you know, it's like <laughs> the, the whole world isn't like totally run by Satan. You know, it's like you know, there are places where Christians exist. You know, and but it's kind of funny because you think when you're there and you're in it, you just you just kind of. Oh, uh, here we go, you know, day after day, and, and the amount yeah. of stuff that went on on that island was just unbelievable. Hmm. I have another brother out on the West Coast who was also there, and he, he quite often, he'll ask people uh, things like, um, uh, he would give this scenario of things that went, went on, on on the island with all the witches, covens, and, and uh, the sacrifice, and all this sort of stuff like that. And he would say these things to people and say, no, no where, where do you think this place is? They would go, oh, someplace in, in Africa, you know, where, yeah. where they're, like, <laughs> dancing around fires and stuff. And he's, well, they dance around fires and stuff. And, no, it's uh, right here in B.C. Wow. And so that was uh, it was quite a... Quite a uh, a revelation for him also and, and yeah. uh, the three of us uh pastor rick Lindenning and uh and his wife barb and uh ken 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 and abby day and myself have been uh linked mm. our bond uh, i mean of course our first bond is christ but uh our, our meeting bond is uh is cortez island so we all have our we yeah. all have our stories, our our battle wounds, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Whenever I, uh, <laughs> I hear you guys uh, tell stories, hey, um, how'd you get that, that star, man? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they you through the fire, you know. I was like, yeah, yeah, I came out of that one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it reminds me of God. like uh, was it Frank Freddy wrote that book, this Present Darkness or something? Yeah. He had the. It always reminds me of uh, when you talk about Cortez Island that that book and like the the darkness of. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I have definitely never experienced a, a place like that, and and so I mean, you coming to Vanderhoof um, with Rachel, and you had, uh, do you have one? One of your daughters was born when you moved, or two? Both of my daughters were born. Oh, okay, yeah. and, and um, uh, yeah, Melanie turned one on the trip moving up here. Oh, okay. and uh, we we actually we. We, we we loaded all of our stuff in a 20 foot trailer, a, a U-Haul, and yeah. uh, had uh, an F-150 crew cab, <clears throat> uh, two wheel drive. We loaded it all in there, and we were actually heading for Port Alberni. That was where at the time Rick was living, Rick Clendenning, and and we thought we we sort of thought that we were going to go into ministry with him, 
And uh, we headed that way. Of course, we the Lord provided very well with, for us on on our property sale, and our, mm-hmm. our uh, that was a, an extreme blessing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had some backing, and we we were just kind of uh, going out to see what the Lord wanted us to do. And mm-hmm. and uh, we 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 toured around in there for a while. We stayed with them, and and we we all agreed, wow, this is not it. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of a that was kind of a disturbing thing because. Uh, Rachel says, well, where are we going? And I, yeah. said, I said, you know, uh, a couple few years back, uh, I was in uh, Prince George, and uh, I was struck by the the the, uh, the 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 extreme need for the gospel on the streets, and uh, I I just was struck by the the uh, the homeless people, the drug addicts, and the prostitutes, and all this that was uh, the street culture. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's where I spent a lot of my youth. So, uh, but um, so I said, let's let's uh, head that direction. Okay. <laughs> and so, uh, like so Abraham, we, uh, uh, go to the land. Yeah. That was showing. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, so we headed up out of Port Alberni and we blew a rad hose on the truck. Immediately, Rachel figures this is a sign from God that we're supposed to stay. Well, okay, entire head of rat hose, they fixed it and off we went again. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so we got, uh, we got out and we actually got off of Vancouver Island and we started driving and, and ended up in Prince George. And we, uh, our introduction to Prince George was 30 below where a lot of the stuff in our trailer cracked and we lost it and all the plants died. Of course, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, it was at that point that Rachel realized and said that we were homeless, and I never saw it that way. I just thought we were in transition. <laughs> I all of a sudden realized oh, we are homeless, and we have not just us; it's two children too. And wow, yeah. you know, so we we quickly uh, rented a small house in the back of a of a of another big house in a. In a, in a neighborhood that we had no idea we were living in what they called the hood. And mm. uh, it was uh, and not your favorite police area to be. <laughs> and it was uh, uh, one night, uh, and I, I had been going out and, and uh, in the yard and stuff and looking around. And, of course, you had the pulp mills right there, and all this, this gas was all coming into the house. And... Something something drew my attention to the outside, and I I I went. I was walking out of the a little little cabin that we we're in, and uh, I heard something jump on the roof. Well, there was a higher bank up behind uh, the house, uh, another property, a retaining wall actually, uh, and so I heard something jump on the roof and run, and then jump down again, and and I, <laughs> whoa, what was that? And I, I I went outside and I looked in the snow, and there was footprints in the snow, or like uh, boot prints, and. And I looked around, I couldn't see anything, and I, I went back inside, and Rachel said, what was it? And I said, it must have been an angel. I don't know, there's nothing. There's no, there's all of a sudden, there's these marks on the ground, and there's like footprints running away, and there's nothing nothing that leads up to it. It must have come That's across the roof. And, yeah, I don't know what it is, you know. And then, so, and then we found out the next day that um, there had been an armed robbery up in the Mr. G gas station, and that the attendant had been stabbed, and the, the person ran right straight through that way and right across our roof, and I started feeling like possibly it was time we started looking at maybe settling in Prince George uh, in some other place. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, so I, I started doing a little bit of talking around and found out where it actually was that we were living. And 
decided that uh, that this was not probably the place uh, for us to be centered in, that we should be somewhere out of it and come back into that area, which I don't know if is that, if that's right reasoning or not, but but um, it, it worked out very well for us financially to uh, move from there and to purchase a, a piece of property in a house. And, mm-hmm. and then... Uh, and one day I was there. I was out doing some work in the yard, and I had been I had been working uh, volunteer with the Christian Life Center down in Prince George, uh, the street ministry, and playing there and and uh, uh, getting involved with some uh, uh, some people there, uh, Jim Cavanaugh and, and uh, musicians and stuff. And every night they had a every Saturday night they had an open church, uh, open uh, two people from the streets, and yeah. it was going very well. And um, I uh, was pretty happy with the way things were going, but I guess that's when the Lord says, you know, I actually wanted to someplace else. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, so I just kind of, I was outside one day, I was working, uh, getting some firewood or something, and I uh, I just had this awful feeling. And and I came in the house and Rachel said, uh, what's the matter? And I said, oh, shit, I don't know, honey. I, I got a funny feeling the Lord wants us to move to Vanderhoof. <laughs> she said, "What?" And I said, "Yeah, Vanderhoof. I I don't like Vanderhoof. <laughs> I don't want to go to Vanderhoof. Why would Why would the Lord have us go to Vanderhoof? You know." And so uh, it took a little bit of thinking about it because Ken, at the at the same time, Ken had been he lived in Vanderhoof and he was coming down, and we were doing a prison ministry at the same time, uh, youth mm. youth correction, and uh, that also we you know thought was going pretty well. And um, so, you know, it's kind of funny. We actually had we were we were part of a of a Lakes Community Church, and very godly people in there. And it seemed to us that things were going pretty good, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe too good, maybe too comfortable. But um, so, uh, you know, we we thought we'd come up here and take take a check around, and and as it ended up. Um, we got involved with Ken Day's uh, home church and uh, um, uh, started working on We bought bought a piece of property here and started working on clearing it and building the house. And we no sooner, no sooner got into the house when Ken announced that he, he felt a very strong conviction to move to Prince George. And so, <laughs> and so we both sort of looked at each other, started shaking our heads, going, "Whoa, whoa, I, I get a little dizzy here," you know. It's like, and so, uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, uh, they actually, you know, of course, everything is all up to you know the way we live our lives. It's whether you can sell your house or not is whether you move on, you know. And, right, right. And uh, so, uh, you know, we would take that as a direct, and uh, they'd never been able to sell before. And uh, it, it went so fast we couldn't believe it. And mm. again, the, the money that they made off of it was enough to um, uh, free and clear establish them in a, another location in Prince George. Yeah. And so that put us uh, looking for for a congregation. Uh, we uh, <clears throat> we stuck with some of the people that were in the home church, and we all sort of uh, went went different directions. And then, then a, another family, uh, Steve and Cindy Enns, uh, we stayed together uh, and uh, went through searching for churches together. Mm. Um, after about a year in one place, we decided that uh, uh, we had possibly better move on, and uh, we ended up home churching and. Mm. Uh, and that was where 
uh, after a few years of that, I saw your picture, as a matter of fact, yeah. in, uh, in a um, in a uh, local newspaper, and you seemed to have your seemed to have your uh, your Bible open to the Book of Revelation somewhere about <laughs> there, and uh, and I just immediately I you know I saw your picture and I thought oh, I need to go and talk with this man, hmm. you know, and uh, the Lord put that on my heart. And uh, the rest is history for you and I. And, yeah. Uh, now you're gone, and we're still here. And <laughs> so, <laughs> we're, but we're we are carrying on. Yeah. Yeah, we're carrying on, and uh, we are home churching. Uh, we have uh, now we have um, you know one, two, three, four other families. Uh, Ken and Abby sometimes come. Right now they're not doing much moving around because Abby's getting kind of weak. Yeah. Um, um, so, but Ken is still very active out in ministries and stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, but um, yeah, and uh, our our little gathering has uh, see nine, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, nineteen, and twenty-five, twenty-five children. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And, and uh, let's see now. You have, and six of those are yours, right? No, you have seven now. I'm getting confused. Well, no, no we're, we, we originally are six. Yeah, six. Yes. Yep. Yes. Six. And Little yep. Joel, the youngest. Joel uh, being the youngest. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah. I um, I remember the first time I I well, I think I think it was the first time I met you. You came to the church there, and I was at the office, and and uh, I remember I was thinking, you know, this man like. I guess I would probably describe my first impression of you as like a cross between uh, Paul the Apostle and William Wallace. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and for a little, uh, you know, preacher's kid who's grown up in uh, church all his life, um, you know, I probably, I think what what blessed me so much about you was just the pure zeal for the Lord, but the the confidence that what you believed was true. And, and I think that, you know, looking back how the Lord brought our paths together and, and just how you have so confirmed to me some of the things that I was wrestling through at the time, you know, the doctrines of grace and church leadership and, and even the structure of the home, your family and your wife, bless my wife tremendously and us trying to sort through what does it mean to be a man? What does God require of men in the home in the church? And what does he require of, of the women in the home and the church? And, and so I just, yeah, so blessed by by you, and and you know you see how the Lord has forged in your story, how He's forged you in such a unique way, and yet I know for me it's it was just a breath of fresh air, and continues to be. I don't know what the Lord's gonna do with us and us in the days ahead, but like you say, you know He's uh, He's the one in control, and and uh, we're always looking forward to our next visit to Vanderhoof to see you guys there. Well, I'm going to end the conversation there for this week. And I trust that you have been encouraged by hearing how God's grace has brought transformation in Kevin's life and life of his family. And I hope that next week you'll tune in to hear how Kevin has used his gift and his passion for music to uh, seek to encourage the saints and to make Christ known. And that you also continue to pray for him as he uh, continues to minister the gospel of Jesus. God bless. It had the best